realize that even as you sit down to talk about your perspective on money, you have to take a moment and say, well, where did I get this perspective? Is it where I grew up? Part of your identity is going to come from the city you grew up in, the state you grew up in, the country that you grew up in. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. And on this episode, we're going to talk about how to have harmony in making financial decisions with your spouse. Uh, Unity is important. When you're managing money, things can get volatile. And we want to talk about some ways that we interact as couples and how that could be good and how that could not be good. And then really just share some ideas of how to actually have more harmony. Because this is something that when we do together, it's much more beneficial for everybody. And we, of course, not only have harmony in finances, but in our relationships, which is really important. Yeah. And there are a few interesting places that it really tends to come up in relationships. And money is number one. Number one is communication around money, the spending of money, the personal perspectives of money. But inside of that, when you look at the actual budget, there are a few places that that either great communication happens or blow-ups tend to happen. Mm-hmm. And it often comes around these four areas. Uh, but there's there's more. But we're going to highlight these four here. One is gift buying. Mm-hmm. And I know that that typically when you get married to someone, you have different views on gift buying. How much is appropriate? How much isn't appropriate? Who you buy for? Who you don't buy for? What are the social norms of those gifts? You come from two different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we need to buy gifts as wedding presents for people getting married. No, we don't. (laughs) Uh, Well, but we should buy everybody a a birthday gift in our immediate family. No, we need to buy everybody a a birthday gift in our extended family. It's like, whoa, okay, there are some boundaries. That changes the amount drastically. Dramatic changes. Hey, we should be buying Mother's Day, Father's Day presents. Or, oh, we should just be sending a card. Man, these conversations open up good dialogue. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the other one is in choosing how you're going to vacation, right? Yes. You can have a vacation camping, which could be very inexpensive, or you can go to a private island. That's right. Big difference in cost. Again, backgrounds, uh, people's desire for whether you're going to go to the beach or the mountains, all of it plays into it. And we sometimes, when we come together with another person, are completely opposite the way we think about it. So there has to be a way that you can find unity there because you can't take two vacations probably. You can't go to the mountains and to the beach because that's twice as much money as you have. So that is one of those areas that if you don't find agreement, I know couples that go on vacation separately, which breaks my heart. I'm thinking, how could you do that? Like every year you're getting further and further apart. One of the most unifying experiences my wife and I've had is going on vacation. It doesn't matter where we go, but as long as it's something we've planned together, it really unifies us. When we don't have agreement, it usually causes all kinds of issues. Yeah, resting together, you're you're separating from the normal work-life balance. You're able to pull back, and it causes you to typically connect much deeper with your mm-hmm. spouse. But that's very hard to do if you don't have a good plan in place. So this whole episode is around bringing harmony into these financial decisions. Uh, Another one is clothing. And clothing, clearly, uh, you can go a lot of directions with clothing. Because you you can live on very little clothes 
or you can spend a lot on a single piece of clothing and, and different people are wired differently. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is hobbies. Yep. And <laughs> you know, it is so beautiful and nice when two people fall in love that have the same hobbies, but it's also it almost rare. never happens. <laughs> <laughs> almost never happens. And, and in all of these, all four of these areas, uh, when you get married to someone, you have to learn self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to give more than you take in order to have a good, healthy, working marriage. So in all four of these areas, there will be some self-sacrifice, but there are also places where your unique perspective and your background should come into play and, and there should be an open pool of shared communication where you each come to the table and share your heart, your perspective, uh, your values, and you build values as a family before you try to tackle these four major spending decision areas. Yeah. The thing to really be aware here is that it's normal to be different in the way you look at money and also because one of you is a woman, the other one's a man. So there's differences already, but sometimes it's gender, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's an upbringing. In fact, a lot of up- upbringing comes into play here because we have seen life played out a certain way. That could be really positive or it could be really negative or it could be a combination of that. So the most important thing is to realize that difference is okay. But when you're together with somebody, building a life with them, you have to find a way to both be together and do things together and also give each other permission to do things individually. And how the finances fund that and make that happen has to be in such a way that it's balanced where it's not extravagant, it's not uh, unhealthy to your finances. And it's reasonable for both people that you both agree to it. So that is the key thing that we want to touch on. How do you find agreement so that when you're making these decisions, it doesn't end up in a big blow up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's take a minute and just kind of look at how your behavior is typically coming after the model that your parents set. Mm -hmm. And when you bring two different families together with two different sets of parents, which actually, if both individuals have both sets of parents still alive, still together, or even if they're separated. Just think about this. You're multiplying the uniqueness already because you go from two people becoming one, but then when you look up to their parents, there's two more people in on each side. So there's four people that are influencing the views that are coming into this marriage that's going to become one. And and if, if one person's mom was extremely unhealthy in an area or one person's dad was extremely unhealthy in an area that is going to swing the pendulum of how this new married couple or maybe married couple that's been married for a long time, it views money. And so realize, realize that even as you sit down to talk about your perspective on money, you have to take a moment and say, well, where did I get this perspective? Is it where I grew up? Part of your identity is going to come from the city you grew up in, the state you grew up in, the country that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And and then it's going to be influenced by uh, your socioeconomic, where you were at, lower income, middle income, upper income. That's going to have an influence on how you view money. Yep. Uh, religion will have an influence on how you view money. Every different belief system is going to heavily impact how you see money, the use of money. Is it a tool? Is it a resource? Is it yours? Does it belong to someone else and you're stewarding it? All of this is going to play into your personal views. 
And you have to take a step back. When I, when I do pre-marriage counseling and I walk people through uh, typically six weeks of sitting down, it, it doesn't always work out perfectly to be six weeks, but that's the goal. If I can get six weeks with somebody and begin to go through, money isn't everything that we talk, talk about, but it is a major component mm-hmm. because you have to identify what's influencing your personal response and then you've got to identify what's happening in your spouse's personal response, how they're viewing it. And then you've got to come to the table and say, okay, what are we going to do together? So yeah. perspectives on money are influenced by a lot of other things, and it takes time to be self-aware of that. Yeah, one of the questions that most people don't ask that they should ask, especially if you're either getting into a marriage or already married, you should each be asking each yourselves, but also then discuss it together. What is your relationship with money? How do you view money? What does money mean to you? Uh, Do you think money is abundant? Do you think there's a scarcity of money? All of that's going to play into how you respond to your spouse spending money, you spending money, or not being able to spend money. So that's so important because so many times the fights that happen around money have nothing to do with money. Right. (laughs) It has everything to do with how we perceive all the things around us, how we see ourselves, how we see our family, the pressures we feel from inside, outside. And so it's important to understand these things. So I would say, you know, if you are thinking about getting married, this is one of the benefits of going through premarital counseling. Absolutely. It's not just about the sex thing. It's very much about the financial thing because finances play such a part into those reactions that can be, unfortunately, unhealthy. And, And if you can understand where you're coming from, you're going to be much better equipped to resist those outside influences. You know, David talked about the four people that are automatically in your life, whether they're your parents, you know, your step parents, whatever, they're going to have an influence and you need to figure out how not to prioritize their influence over your spouse's influence, right? Because that's gonna, not going to go over well, right? Wow. So there's so many dynamics there. And I think just having the conversation is really, really important but doing it in a way that allows you to really bring the emotion aside of into it. What do you feel when it comes to spending money? How do you think about it? What was modeled to you? Was your parents a saver, a spender? Was one a saver, the other a spender? Did that create fights? You know, that, that create problems. Uh, just understand how, how, how emotional this can actually be. And you can have a fight. I, I mean, I, David and I have counseled a lot of couples over the years and sometimes the fight was just ridiculous it's like this has nothing to do with money you know and as they started digging into it they realized gosh this is a wound that happened when they were you know six years old because mm-hmm. you know dad left and you know didn't pay the bills and they lost a house or something you don't know this until you start digging into it so what we're trying to say to you is be aware that these differences are normal but there's a way to walk through it so that you can unite and have uh, unity as you're making these decisions and avoid all the crazy stuff that can happen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Leo, how, how has this affected your life personally? Uh, how long have you been married now? And what have you seen in that with your marriage? Yeah. So Natalie and I have been married for 32 years and our kids are grown. They're now on, on their own. And we didn't Neither One of our parents was great with money. Uh, my mom was a super saver, but my dad wasn't. So money always kind of bled out and there was always fights on my wife's side of the family. Um, usually her dad worked, her mom usually stayed with the kids. They had five kids. So she stayed home with the kids for the most of their young life. Financially, they weren't doing well because my father-in-law had some, uh, health condition where you put him in the hospital almost there on a yearly basis. So, um, anyway, so finances weren't great, 
but they also didn't steward well. They didn't save. They, a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, would just finance a lot of things that they couldn't afford. So all of that was part of our beginning, right? My wife's perceptions on money, how things are, her fears about not having enough. And then, of course, mine, seeing that battle between my parents. And I asked Natalie this as I was preparing for this podcast, and I said, what are the, the three quirky things that I do with money that you think are either weird or quirky? And uh, she gave me three. One, she said clothing. She says, you have a clothing budget. You never use it. You always use it for something else, which kind of tells you, like, she has a real high value for clothing. Like, to her, as soon as the budget every month renews for the clothing, it's gone within the first two, three days because she really likes clothing and something that makes her feel better. For me, I can use a pair of jeans for 16 years. I, I haven't changed size in, since high school, so I don't put a lot of value on clothes. Now, do I want to walk around looking like a bum? No. I will buy clothes when necessary, but it's very seldom. So she thinks that's kind of weird. <laughs> the other one is just spending too much time fixing things instead of just buying them new or sometimes just researching. It's like, like you almost have a problem with spending money. And I, and I tell her, I said, no, I said, I'm trying to be frugal, but sometimes that line of how much time do I spend actually replacing this item or should I just buy a new one or fix it? Kind of blurry for me. So she thinks that's weird. Well, anyway, that's two. I'll, I'll save the third one. David, what about you? Yeah, well, so I want to go back to those four main areas, gift buying, choosing where to vacation, clothing, and hobbies. Mm -hmm. And one of the big ones for Ashley and I early on was vacation. And I didn't have this modeled for me in a, in a great way growing up. My parents both worked really hard, and money was tight. Not, it not like We never went without a meal, but it was tight, and mm -hmm. you could see it, and you could see arguments around money and things like that. So when it came to vacation we just didn't vacation. Yeah. Like I remember traveling for funerals, which wasn't that often growing up. And so I don't, I mean, we didn't do a ton of traveling. We didn't do a lot of vacationing. We didn't do a lot of time off. We didn't celebrate rest as a vacation as a family growing up. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, Ashley's family did. And it was annual and it was expected and the family went together and there was fun and people were engaged and so here we come into marriage and I have zero vacation plans because I'm just, you know, I don't know. It's not what you do. It's not what you do. I'm 20 something years into life. I'm like, I haven't been on vacation. Now, I'm not saying I'd never been on vacation, but it just wasn't a priority for my family. Right. And then on the flip side, it's, it's a priority for Ashley's family every year. And it's, and it's healthy and it's fun. And so we had to wrestle because to get me, who I've told you guys, I was afraid around money. I let fear control my spending or lack of spending. I let fear control my saving and over saving. Mm -hmm. Now I'm married to somebody who's like, Hey, open up the coffers, <laughs> <laughs> open up the budget and put it in. And I'm like, okay, well, sure. Yes, we can put in 50 bucks a month. Right. Like, you know, that's six hundred dollars a go? year. Right. So, you know, Lord Lord bless Ashley. She she led us in our first year of marriage or maybe second year of marriage, just do a vacation where we drove down to Austin or San Antonio. We did we did both across different years, but San Antonio and get a cheap hotel and do cheap meals on the boardwalk. And, and Lord bless her for sacrificing. Um, over time, I was like, okay, we could do a hundred bucks. Okay, we could do 200 bucks a month. And eventually got to the place where we both felt very comfortable spending somewhere between two to $3,000 on a vacation every year that we planned in advance, that we both highly enjoyed. 
But that didn't happen year one. Now, part of that is because we weren't, you know, we were pretty tight financially year one and we were both frugal. So neither one of us was looking to be crazy. But my unhealth was more constrictive than it probably needed to be. Absolutely looking back, it was more constrictive than it needed to be. Yeah. And and that took some self-sacrifice on both of our parts, some negotiation on both of our parts. And and I and I'm, what I'm speaking to you is I want, as you're listening, I want you to be self-aware of how you view vacations and what may have influenced that. Uh, and it's the same with, you know, gift buying. Yep. This is another big one for us. And this is one that we did a great job on. We created a whole form where we listed out the, the, the names of everybody that we we're going to buy gifts for throughout the year and the major holidays and events that we would buy gifts for people throughout the year. And we did it. It was an X and a Y axis, basically, in an Excel sheet. And so now I have a list of every person and every holiday. And then you'd put a dollar number into that. And we sat down and agreed on that in advance. And it came out to be over $1,000. And then we just put that right into the budget. So every month, it's about 80 bucks a month. And then over time, it's gone up to like 90 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month. But 100 bucks a month is $1,200. And we would set that aside every month into a gift envelope. And then now we do it into a gift category in an Excel sheet that reflects what's in our bank account. But but we set that money aside and agreed in advance who we we're going to buy gifts for. And we've never had an argument over gift buying. It's somebody's birthday. We know exactly how much we're going to spend. And, and then, you know, if we overspend, we realize, okay, we've set aside a little extra margin for that, but we're not going to overspend, you know, like we're going to be very intentional to follow what we initially set. So I'm just saying that spending some time on the front end so that if, if I'm talking about gift buying specifically, if you don't have a plan in advance, there are roughly in any given family, 20 to 40 gift buying opportunities throughout the year mm-hmm. easily yep. in any normal family. Especially that, as your family grows. Especially as your family yep. grows. That's 20 to 40 times. That you that could overspend. You could overspend <laughs> yeah. and you could be in an argument with your spouse exactly. because you didn't pre-communicate. So it, it, it may take a full day, not a full day, two hours to go through and build out this whole list. Worth it though. But it's worth it because you're not getting pinged 20 to 40 times a year of resentment and bitterness and anger and like, oh, that's not how I would have done it. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, let's get together and talk about this in advance. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I mean, it really doesn't matter what the area of your spending is that creates these you know engagements where they're not as pleasant as they could be. The whole point we're trying to make is look at how you two spend money. Look at how you interact over those arguments, what stirs them up, what brings them about, and then try to figure out a way to find a solution to it. And primarily you do that by having a plan that works together, right? You want to work together. This is about bringing unity so that there isn't the two opposing views that you've talked through, as David said, about what you're going to do in each area and you have a, a kind of a plan of action on how you're going to do it. And I think the first thing is to, you know, I see couples all the time who don't have their finances combined, and that makes it so, so much more difficult. So the first thing we would recommend is do everything together, which means that you embrace this mindset that all the income is our income. There's not his and hers and yours and mine. It's ours. And then you build a budget a plan, a financial plan based on, all of the money that's coming in, what areas you need to provide for, what additional money you want to spend on things like vacation and fun stuff, clothing, all the things that are, you know, their needs, but they don't need to happen every month. And some of them are, you know, have the, the ability to either spend a little or a lot. 
And now you can, you can, without the argument part, you come in with the idea of putting a plan together that works for both of you. So I think that's really important. Do it together, embrace this mindset that it's yours together, and then create that plan to help you to do those things. And I would focus on three things as you're building your budget. One, make sure that you're providing a good lifestyle for today. You know, as David shared about the vacation, listen to each other. This is something I did not do early on when we first created the budget. I didn't ask Natalie, well, what do you think would be the right amount for this area? I just looked at the money and said, this is how much we have. And some of that was true, but the fact that I didn't engage her and didn't ask her what she thought made her not really buying into the plan until much later when we had open conversations about it. The second thing is provide for future financial security. One of the important parts of managing money is that you save something for the future. You want to have financial security. For some of us, it's more important than others, but it's important for both of you in reality. Even if you don't think it is, maybe you're more of a risk taker and you're like, ah, we'll be all right. Your wife may not feel that way. So you need to make sure you understand that. Make a plan for the future. So save and invest for the future. And then third, incorporate categories that allow for the unique expression that each of you have, uh, both together, but also individually. You know, my wife and I have cash that we both have that we allow us each other for, you know, every month out of our budget. And we don't have to give each other, you know, account for it. It's just an amount that we both have and we spend it and we stick to that budget. But then we also put money aside for vacation and fun stuff that we do together. Both are important. I cannot stress this enough. Both are important. I love that, Leo. The final thing that I really want to hit on is the importance of dreaming together as a couple and as a family. Mm and really clarifying your family values, but then dreaming of the future and planning together for the future. Yeah. Uh, we did this at a micro level with, with budgeting for gifts and talking about vacation, but really paint a picture of what your family is going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, what, what you want to do on vacation. Why is vacation important? Uh, why are these other spending spending line items in your budget, what do they add to the overall family values that you have? And, and if you want to be a family that um, lives in a certain area, uh, wears certain clothes, and that, that could sound bad, you, you may just want to just like you said, Leo, I don't, I just don't want to look like a bum. Like <laughs> I just want to look, I want to have live a normal, healthy life that fits into society. Uh, let's put that on paper. And, and dream of what our family can become, dream of our business aspirations or our tight-knit family relations. One of the most valuable things you can do is invest money into bringing the family together regularly and doing a vacation every year does that. Uh, building a Friday night dinner where every Friday night you get together with your family uh, or with friends, like you can build your dreaming based around friends or on family, but, but setting this aside and saying in advance, Hey, we want our family to be close knit. We want to be close with our extended relatives, or we want to keep our family unit in a healthy relationship. The way you're going to do that is you're going to go have fun every year on vacation and, and every Friday night or every Sunday night or whatever the night is, we're going to gather for a meal around the table and we're going to put money into our budget to do that because that's our family value. Let's dream of what the future looks like to have generations of, of happy, healthy family members growing out of this family. Mm -hmm. let's, let's put that on the forefront and then let's back in with our budget to how we're going to get that done. 
Yeah, one of the benefits of dreaming, and this is something that Natalie and I do, we, we actually intentionally go on vacations where we have to drive. And it's not like a two-hour drive, but like six hours, eight hours, 16 hours. And we do it intentionally because we've learned that it's the time that we can actually dig into those conversations and dream about the future. And I think one of the most important aspects of dreaming together about things that are connected to our finances is, is that it allows us to bring up those things that are maybe a frustration with what's going on right now. And we can both open up those topics, talk about them, have more clarity on both sides about what's actually going on so it prevents you know, frustration that's building up on one side or the other. But it also gives us the opportunity to, to, to start looking at solutions. All right, if you want more money in that area, what could we do? You know, what do we give up? What do we, you know? So it allows us to really dig into the values, to dig into the root issues of why do we feel that way about that, and really proceed in unity and mm -hmm. just figure out a way to, to make it work where we're both satisfied, happy, and, and looking forward to the future rather than another year, another drudge, you know? And, and I just think that's such an important part for couples to do is to dream together because it just opens up the conversation to something that you don't usually get to do on a day-to-day -day basis. The goal of marriage is unity mm. and two people becoming one and walking in unity. And that unity, it, it allows for trust. It strengthens commitment as you dream together of the future. You strengthen your commitment to, to the unity of the marriage. It, it nurtures a partnership that together we're going to go accomplish this dream. It's not just me, David, this is my dream. I'm going to go do this. It's mm -hmm. like, no, no, mm -hmm. we together have established something that we want to do and we're going to lock arms. We're going to hold hands. We're going to kiss. It, 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 it adds intimacy. There's a passion of us together going to pursue a future destiny and that's fun. And it causes your marriage to be closer in unity, which will change every area of your life. When we talk about spending. We talk about keystone habits and habits that form every other area of your life. And we talk about the budget in that way. And then we talk about tracking expenses. We do that heavily on the financial side. When it comes to the personal commitment and relationship side, living and walking in unity is the keystone habit. And the things that you need to set into place are things like dreaming together, sitting down, doing the budget together, having these conversations in advance around money before you get married or early on in marriage. Mm -hmm. So I want to reference back if you're early married or, or you want to go back and do this exercise, go to episode 61, 62 and 63, 61 through 63 of getting money, right. And you will find three episodes where we go through question after question of pre-marriage stuff, what to talk about when you're early married and what to talk about when you've established your marriage and we go, we go piece by piece through how you can walk this out in an early marriage. So I hope that's helpful to you because we love, we love spending time with you guys and we love helping set these keystone habits in our lives so that every other area of our life becomes healthier and healthier. No doubt. No doubt. Good stuff. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will rate review and subscribe. So click that little subscribe button, uh, smash that little heart or that little like button. And, and really most importantly, grab, grab the link to this episode or one of our other most recent 10 episodes and share it with a friend. Just hit the copy button, hit the paste button into a text message and say, Hey, check out this podcast, um, that my friend, Leo and I are your friend <laughs> that my friend David or Leo, David and Leo put together on getting money right and, and share it because 
that's what allows more people to be served well by the content. And it means so much to us. Uh, we also love when you comment on the, the iTunes store, the po Apple podcast, you can listen on Spotify, you can listen on Stitcher, on CastBox, you can listen on any, any streaming service, but a lot of times they'll have a little heart button or a comment button. Those comments are amazing. We, we review them. Uh, we put them on our website as like, hey, look at the great feedback we get. So thank you guys for doing that. And we hope that you'll join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. Listen to each other. This is something I did not do early on when we first created the budget. I didn't ask Natalie, well, what do you think would be the right amount for this area? I just looked at the money and said, this is how much we have. And some of that was true. But the fact that I didn't engage her and didn't ask her what she thought made her not really buying into the plan until much later when we had open conversations about it. Mm -hmm.